Hello and welcome to Inside Nova Quark, episode 4, the podcast about all things dual universe and the people who craft it. I'm Nomad, committee manager, and I won't be hosting 100% today. We have some brand new gear to record now, and as you can hear, I'm hoarse, and it has nothing to do with the quality of the mic. Since I'm sick, I'm only recording the intro and outro of the podcast today. And Kusesh, our communication and marketing director in visiting Paris this week, kindly accepted to replace me to talk with the guys from the team. Because hearing me coughing wouldn't be very cool for you, our listeners, obviously. Anyway, on this show today, you will hear JC, our CEO and creative director, and Entropy, game designer. We will review our 2019 year and in complement of our recent YouTube roadmap update video, We'll give more details about some points that were mentioned in it. We recommend you watch it first to better follow and understand this special podcast episode. We'll also talk about the roadmap and some of our choices in terms of production to stick to our vision and to deliver the unique dual universe experience as we intend it to be. Last but not least, we'll also answer many recurring questions from the community about a large variety of topics. The thing is, there are uh, so much stuff to cover, we decided to make two podcast episodes. The answers to the most common questions will be given in the second episode. Time to sit down, relax, and grab a cup of your favorite beverage. We have a lot to cover, so here we go. Hi, everyone. I'm NQ Sesh, and I'm going to start by wishing uh, NQ Nomad the best possible recovery from that nasty virus that he's had over the last few uh, days. So I'm going to do my best to uh, cover for him and uh, being the host of this podcast. I'm joined today by uh, JC Bailly, our beloved CEO. Hello. As well as uh, NQ Entropy, game designer here at NovaQuark. Hey guys, how's it going? So um, we're going to do this podcast as a follow-up to uh, the video that was released uh, over the last uh, few days. And uh, we, know we promised that we would be giving a little bit more details, um, uh, give a little bit more depth to uh, what we discussed in the video. So that's what we're going to do today. So Jesse, let me start by uh, asking you, I know you mentioned it in the video, but you know, 2019 was uh, quite the year for Nova Quark. Yeah, it was an incredible year. And it actually is somehow linked to the reason why we had to uh, think the roadmap again. Uh, the, the year has been incredible. We had uh, the launch of the Alpha 2, uh, as I said. We, we also had uh, the creation of a new studio in Montreal, which is a huge effort. Uh, we actually moved the Paris uh, studio to another uh, you know, office. Uh, and uh, we raised uh, 10 million euros in funding, which was also a huge uh, effort. Actually, it takes a lot of time to, to organize these kind of things. So overall, I mean, the year has been incredibly busy. And so we have made adjustments to the roadmap, which I, I talked about in the, in the video. And today I'd like to go a bit deeper in the reasons for those changes and what is going to be the, you know, the long-term uh, evolution of the, of the plans. But it's fair to say that uh, Nova Quark, um, the way it is today, is quite different from Nova Quark the way it was uh, a year ago, right? It's been a transformational year for, for the company. Yeah, actually, you know, from year to year, this company is evolving radically. Uh, you know, when we started, we were a very small company in, in small offices. Then uh, we, we launched a Kickstarter and that was a you know, big transformation. Uh, we started to be, uh, you know, visible and uh, believable for investors. That's why we raised our first funding. And then uh, we started to grow. We moved to larger offices. Uh, and then we opened, uh, uh, you know, a studio in Montreal. So now we are an international company. So every, every year there is a sort of a deep transformation. And we see that this company is growing and evolving. So this is cool. However, what has not changed 
despite the you know the modification to the roadmap and adjustments we have to do is the long-term vision. The long-term vision is always the same, pretty much the same. That's the one you know that has been described in a Kickstarter. The one that has been motivating me for years to actually you know drive this project. And this vision is to create a virtual universe where millions of people can all together uh, interact, create their sort of virtual life. Uh, and our goal is to uh, provide this all, to all these players the means by which they can build, create not only 3D structures like uh, cities, spaceships, and so on, but also social structures, uh, nations, uh, organizations, corporations, and so on. So there's a economy, there is uh, industry, there is mining, all these aspects uh, need to be integrated in the game. Sometimes I use the term, you know, uh, holistic game. That means that all these features, they are very important to the global equilibrium of the game. If you take one out, there is something that doesn't work. You know, if you don't have economy, um, people cannot trade. So if you cannot trade, you have to do everything yourself. So that it means that the whole gameplay has to be made very, very casual. And so you see that everything, this is just an example, but everything stands together. And so this vision will not change and cannot change uh, because it will not be uh, working uh, in the context of a single child with millions of people interacting together. You need uh, all those gameplays. Something that I thought was really interesting in uh, in the video is how you explain, you know, the different pillars of the game, right? And how um, we, we often refer to it internally as, you know, foundational elements or, you know, the bricks for building the, the wall. Um, and we have to make sure that, you know, all the foundational elements are there. Uh, so you talked about uh, the different gameplay pillars and how all together they really build um, what the vision of Joel Universe, the one that you just described, um, ends up being. but You know, to achieve that vision, there's different paths that we can take. There's different ways. And since the beginning, since the Kickstarter, we've been pretty transparent and honest about, you know, our roadmap and uh, what we're going to release. You mentioned as well that we really try to stick to our dates. Um, and we have to make adjustments along the way. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about some of these adjustments. Obviously, you know, the players, the... the The community, the ones who follow us, they've noticed that already from Alpha 2, uh, we made a change. For instance, the player-owned market, which were um, mm. part of the of the um, uh, of the roadmap initially, um, have been moved out. Uh, and this is not necessarily something that we had addressed. So we want to talk about all these upcoming changes. Um, and actually, um, uh, just it's, it has not been moved out. There's been Delayed. Out of Alpha 2. I yes, meant out right, of Alpha 2. Yeah. It, not out of the game. Not, it's, it's definitely coming it's back. It's definitely going to be there. I meant out of Alpha 2. It has right. to be there for all sorts of reasons uh, linked to what I just said before. It, it has to. So today, uh, together with this podcast, uh, we are publishing uh, an updated version of the roadmap. And uh, before we start looking into uh, you know what's coming ahead and, uh, and the changes that we want to introduce, uh, we want to focus on Alpha 3. And, um, you know, what is coming in Alpha 3, we promise some uh, more details in the video. And um, let's first start by saying that, you know, we reiterate that the Alpha 3 is coming in January. So we're like a couple of months away now. So the team is really, uh, uh, you know, rushing to uh, finish everything and, uh, and try and make sure that we hit the date. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But you can confirm that January 2020 is still the date for Alpha 3, right? Yeah, sure. And, and, and just another word about, you know, the, the, the fact that things sometimes takes more time, etc. Um, everyone has to keep in mind that this, this project is really uh, pushing the limits of a lot of things. So we are, in many cases, you know, exploring unknown territories. 
and it's it's like uh, it's like in you know in fundamental research or in research in some way you, you cannot really be sure how long it's going to take to develop something radically new. But this doesn't apply to all the gameplays, of course. But they, along the way, we we meet some unexpected uh, uh, difficulties or things that needs to be uh, you know uh, that will take more time. And this is fundamentally also something you would expect from a project that is truly innovating with things that I think you've never seen before. So this this is you know um, to be also you know factored in in the in the thinking. So talking about uh, Alpha 3, one of the, you know, the big things coming in Alpha 3 is uh, PvP. And uh, I know we had uh, mentioned different types of PvP originally in the Kickstarter. And uh, what we're going to be delivering first is Construct versus Construct. So NQ Entropy, you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so when we were talking about PvP initially and we sort of started this whole you know, big PvP thing, which is a huge topic, um, we spent quite a bit of time discussing about should we, what part should we start with? And, you know, we, we had a bunch of discussions and there were some disagreements, but eventually I think everybody sort of converged and agreed that the first part and the most interesting part for us was to start with construct versus construct, construct combat, using ships uh, that players actually build and with voxels and, and, you know, using all the mechanics that we have for building and piloting. Um, in the end, that just made way more sense. Um, and we decided to sort of do that first and then, uh, you know, move on to avatar versus avatar com uh, combat which would be more of a, you know, maybe first-person shooter style thing, uh, however we make it. Yeah, well, uh, with a slight difference on the Avatar versus Avatar, which is compared to your, your usual first-person shooter, is that it's still going to be lock and fire. Um, so, but we're going to work on that a bit later. Uh, we mentioned also Avatar versus Construct and Construct versus Avatar. So um, basically, once we have Avatar versus Avatar, it will be, very easy to do avatar versus construct it's just another kind of thing you can target um and that should probably be bundled uh at some point and construct versus avatar actually uh so that's the situation where construct is firing on on a player this is already part of the construct versus construct we are going to deliver because suppose you're just hiding behind the wall uh, and I shoot on the wall, and the the, the you know the explosion is big enough. Uh, you're probably going to be killed because you're in the radius of the blast. So um, in a sense, construct versus avatar in that sense is already going to be there. Now we could push it a bit further where construct could explicitly target an avatar, these kind of things. Uh, so that will come at some point along you know the pollution if it's really needed. Uh, so so there's a sort of a grid of four different types of way you can fight. And so we focus on the the most innovative, the most interesting, I believe, um, because it's also truly um, uh, it's truly um, MMO style. So it involves you know several players. We're going to talk about the multi crew and so on. So uh, I think that was the the right choice. So what's coming in Alpha Three is uh, really like the first iteration of our vision for Construct versus uh, Construct. Um, uh, PvP inside the game, and uh, maybe we can elaborate a little bit about uh, first what does it entail exactly? So you know what's what's bundled with that first version, and also maybe uh, where players will be able to uh, to fight inside your universe. So NQ Entropy. Yeah. So in terms of the setup that we're going for Alpha Three, um, we decided to take it a little bit slow and make sure that you know we're we're doing all the right steps and being careful with what we do. Um, so the first iteration Alpha Three will have sort of this really large oversized arena. Uh, present in space. So the, the, the first part will be space only. You'll be using ships that can go in space, and you'll have to sort of enter 
uh, this huge arena, which you'll be able to find and see. Uh, it'll be, you know, an area sort of like a planet, uh, significantly larger in terms of space, but you'll be able to localize it uh, like a planet. And in order to do PvP, you will have to enter the zone and you'll be able to shoot and, and you know, do construct versus construct combat versus uh, other players that are also in the zone. Um, the main reason we're doing this is because, you know, as JC mentioned, this is quite a big thing. I mean, both in terms of, you know, the, the size of the feature for us, uh, but in terms of what we're sort of attempting to do, um, there aren't a ton of examples, uh, you know, of other people doing this sort of thing. So we're, we're just trying to be careful where, you know, we don't want to mess up too bad and then, you know, sort of ruin the, uh, the game. So we're taking it step by step. We're being careful. And, you know, at the beginning, you'll only do PvP if you want to. And if you go into the zone and, you know, you, you, then, then you can uh, engage in that activity. But what's, what's important here, I think, is really that it's just the beginning, right? This is not necessarily the vision for how you're going to do PvP inside the game uh, eventually, uh, more how we're introducing it and like the, the first step, the first era into uh, PvP for Dual Universe players. Yeah, absolutely. The arena is totally temporary and we know that. Um, eventually, we want to roll out PvP to all areas of the game and this goes into what JC was saying also with AVA. Uh, but the, the first step is CVC in an arena and then we want to expand CVC into atmosphere around planets and into the entire game world and then later keep pushing that and, uh, and you know, see where it leads us. So how would you describe exactly uh, CVC? So what makes it so uh, you know, unique and different inside Dual Universe? What are like the, the pillars of uh, CVC combat in Dual Universe? Yeah, so when I, when I think about PvP and, and what we did with CVC, um, I think three sort of major pillars come to me. The first is we're going with a fundamental uh, lock and target system. Uh, so one of the main reasons we did this is because PvP in space, uh, we're actually operating at extremely long ranges. So... Uh, in order to be able to identify people and see where they are, you sort of need a little bit of help, and a lock and fire system worked perfectly for that. Um, the second major thing is going to be the destruction of ships and you know using voxels. When we when we were doing this whole process initially, um, one of the things that really jumped out at us was, wow, it's actually so cool to think that you can actually destroy ships by putting actual holes in ships. And then, you know, destroying engines, destroying individual engines, you know, destroying the cockpits, destroying the radars, you know, whatever it is that you're going to destroy, being able to take a, you know, a ship apart piece by piece and actually see holes form in the ship because of the voxels that we use, that was something that sounded awesome. So that's the second sort of major fundamental part of the CVC is that you will be able to destroy ships using the voxel technology that we have for building them. And, you know, explosions will just, you know, put big old holes in, uh, in ships. And we think that's pretty damn cool. Um, lastly, the, the last big pillar that, uh, that I have is uh, the multi-crew. So fundamentally, one ship is not consistently controlled by one person. You can, of course, have you know, a small fighter or maybe a small transport, which is controlled by a single person that has maybe a couple of small guns equipped to it, and it can go and do dogfighting or it can transport other people. But in terms of the overall scale of our PvP and you know, the, the size of it, very big ships will require large crews. And, you know, you cannot have a capital class battleship roaming around and just pilot it alone and have, you know, millions of guns uh, that you can control yourself. You need to have a crew that's going to be using the guns, that's going to be repairing your ship, that's going to be refueling your engines, that's going to be running around and, you know, doing whatever needs to be done on the ship. And, you know, we think that from a MMO and a cooperative point of view, that's pretty cool. But you're still going to be able to operate as a like a, a standalone fighter uh, if you want, right? So there, it's actually what I find the most uh, fascinating in that PvP is how it's going to be a mix of uh, different sizes of ships with uh, different sizes of of of, sh of uh, crews inside the ships, 
and uh, it's all going to be going to be driven by um, uh, you know what players come up with, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll be, uh, trying that and seeing uh, you know what works and what doesn't for them. Yeah, I think one of the things that we want to do is we don't want to restrict PvP from you know small groups and solo players if you want to do that and you want to be a solo pirate that's going to be running around and attacking you know isolated transports you can do that alone and this the you know the system supports that uh, but if you want to you know run a capital class battleship and have huge wars with you know tons of people then that's going to be when you're going to start maybe looking for friends and looking for people to help you yeah i, I wanted to add also that um some of the things we, we, we add with uh, CVC, you might have seen them in some form in other games. Uh, like destruction of ships is a thing now. There are games who are doing that. We're perfectly aware of that. Uh, we, we probably do it a bit differently because, as you said, the voxel is actually more uh, realistic. You, you make a physical hole and it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it looks probably a bit better, but that's, the, that's a detail. What really matters is that all this thing is happening within a single shard universe. And it transforms from a technical standpoint everything, and it transforms also from uh, a gameplay perspective everything. Uh, so this, I think, is really fundamentally the innovation, is that all what we're talking about is about uh, happening in, in, uh, in a consistent giant universe. Um, even the lock and fire, actually, is, is somehow also linked to this fact, because... Um, among the things we have to, you know, to, to give up once you have the kind of technology that allows millions of people to be together uh, is the fact that you have super accurate, super low lag uh, kind of gameplay, the things that you would expect in a traditional FPS. Uh, so if you give up with that, because we have to, it's the law of physics at some point, if someone is in Australia and another guy is in, a, in a Quebec or something, uh, th there's a distance, you know, you cannot avoid the lag. So one way of dealing with that is to use this lock and fire. So it's it's really also tied fundamentally to the type of uh, uh, technology we we're developing. Yeah, just you you mentioned it's funny. I just have a little anecdote here. You mentioned uh, the explosions just just now, and I, I spoke about them earlier as well. Um, it's funny because that's actually one of the very first things that we actually worked on. We we sort of realized that you know voxel destruction and how they were destroyed and how it looked to the player was probably one of the most important things that we could actually achieve if we did it correctly. And, you know, very early in prototypes, one of the first things that actually worked was that you could just sort of, you know, raycast a construct and just blow it up. And uh, we spent quite a lot of time on making sure that we got that as, you know, as correct as possible and making it feel and look as cool as, as we, we thought it could be. So if you're looking at, uh, you know, the roadmap that, that we just published, um, you know, this is really going to be the, the V1 of uh, Chief Combat, like version one. And it still has a lot of the, uh, you know, the heart and soul of what we want the PvP to be. Um, but we're really going to need the help of the community to test it, you know, help us balance it. And, you know, that's why we're introducing all these, like, arenas for combat um, in the first place. Um, something we have to say is that there's, a, there's like, a, a version 2 coming. So it's not necessarily going to be one version, but it's going to be, you know, um, updates and upgrades to uh, this version of PvP. Uh, if you look at the at the roadmap, we've kind of spread it between um, uh, beta one and beta two, which is something we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and uh, maybe JC, you want to talk a little bit about uh, what we'll have in uh, upcoming versions of uh, of uh, or improvements of the uh, ship to ship uh, ship versus ship uh, combat in the future? Yeah, there, there are clearly things that are missing in this first iteration. Uh, one of the things that is uh, mostly uh, you know missing is the the repair unit, um, which allows you basically to rebuild your ship the way it was. 
uh, as, at the last snapshot. Um, so this is a fundamental thing because suppose you are sculpting a beautiful, uh, you know, uh, front part of your ship and all something like that that you spend literally uh, days to 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 uh, make yourself. Uh, well, if it gets blown by an explosion, it's going to be gone. So, uh, of course, you could keep a blueprint, so you could remake a whole ship. But what you really want to do is to be able to uh, rebuild only the parts that have been destroyed. If you manage to escape, and you know you have a chance to actually recover. Uh, and so this is what we call the repair unit. It's fundamental because otherwise, you know, the price to pay uh, when you, you get something destroyed is too high. Uh, so um, th this is a fundamental thing. It means that in the, in the first situation, you probably are going to use some ships that you are okay to lose uh, because it's more like a testing phase at this stage. But then will come the, the repair unit. Yeah, and speaking about repair units a little bit more, um, one of the things that we find pretty cool from a gameplay side is the idea of sort of creating shipyards um, and, you know, tying the repair unit functionality to that element, regardless of how we, you know, we balance it and we make it happen. We think it's cool to have sort of like these staging points where, you know, you might have these uh, big fleets of ships that are going to be repairing where, you know, after battle, they're going to be retreating and, you know, maybe you can get attacked there and it's an important strategic point. And, you know, we want to create that ecosystem where that sort of thing can happen. And the, the other thing that is missing is the, the proper segmentation of space between, uh, you know, the, the PvP space and the sanctuary moons and the safe zones. Uh, and so this, this is also something that is uh, uh, very important because it will play a fundamental role in the equilibrium of the, the dynamics of this universe. And basically, in this first version, we do kind of the opposite. Instead of having more all the universe basically PvP and certain areas not PvP, it's quite the opposite. So this will be uh, this will be done uh, in a, in a few months, I think, after the initial release, uh, and uh, it's it's going to complete the picture so that you know everything is in place. But this first iteration is really about testing the mechanics of combat, the locking, uh, the multi-crew aspect, seeing if that works, if people have fun. Uh, if there are some feedback missing, UI issues, and so on. And there will be. So we, we need the feedback. We need to uh, polish this part before we develop all the rest. So, you know, I think this wraps up for uh, PvP. I think the, the team here is incredibly excited about uh, putting this in the hands of players and uh, seeing what the reactions will be, helping us, you know, fine-tune it as well and uh, further developing it. But um, this, is, uh, this is actually uh, uh, something quite important to... Uh, to arrive in the life of uh, of Dual Universe and one that we we hope all the players will appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I think you know it's it's been a long time coming because we've actually been working on this feature for. I mean, I think for at least for as long as I've been here, this is the longest time that a feature has been in development. This is you know quite a big thing that we've been working on for quite a while, and uh, you know we're we're very much looking to seeing what you guys make of it and and you know to follow up on it and keep making it as much fun and as it can be. Okay, so moving on to um, the next big piece coming in Alpha 3, which is uh, what we call uh, social features inside the company. So if you look at the uh, the roadmap that we had uh, published the last time, we actually had some of these uh, social features scheduled for beta and uh, some of them scheduled for Alpha 3. And as the team was developing them, then you know we thought, hey, they, they probably make uh, sense to be together. So um, some of these features are actually coming sooner uh, than what was originally intended. And they're kind of coming as a as a bundle, because they kind of all make sense together. Um, let's start by uh, talking about organizations and uh, what they mean inside the game. So who wants to take that one? 
I can start. Um, organizations is, is again one of those, you know, uh, fundamental features when you're dealing with potentially millions of people, you need to uh, offer a way to structure groups of people. This is not absolutely not no, um, no not new, sorry. It's uh, something that we, we, we know in practically every MMO. So it's called guild or corporation, depending on the type of game, but it's the same idea. So you can um, form such an organization and we introduced the notion of uh, legate, which actually is already there on the community website. Uh, so an organization can be funded by one or several legates and also other type of participants that are called members that can join the organization. And basically the legates are the co-owner of the organization and they are the ones who are going to manage it. So they are the ones who are going to be able to organize uh, the rights and duty management of this organization, which is like... Um, like, a, for example, like a real-life corporation, an organization can own stuff. So you can actually have uh, ships, can have assets, can have money. And um, the job of the legates is basically control who has the right to do what with the stuff of the organization, uh, to also decide who is becoming a member, who should be uh, banned from the organization, and these kind of things. Um, so because it's, it's um, well, we have in mind something a little bit more elaborated in the long term, but right now what we have uh, set up for the legates is that they, because they need to take decisions together, you need a sort of voting system that allows them to agree on certain decisions. So we've introduced this with all the mechanisms that allow a legate to provoke a vote and to uh, gather the responses of all the other legates. Um, some legates can have delegations so they can actually do certain uh, simple things without going through a vote. So there's this, all these aspects that are already there in this first iteration. Um, and one, one thing that I think is, is very exciting is the possibility that you know, among the members of your organization or among the legates, actually, you could have other organizations. So you could have like the United Nations, right, with different nations in it, and that makes perfect sense. So you can have all these uh, hierarchical structures of organizations already in the game. And we have a mechanism so that, you know, when an organization has to express itself uh, at a certain level of the hierarchy, you can actually uh, designate someone in this organization to represent it. You need a human at some point to, you know, press the buttons, basically. Uh, so we have this, this setup and we call it a super legate. So that's the, the notion of delegation, of representation. Uh, so th that, that's fairly complex already. And that's meant to support a growing realistic set of nations, corporations, alliances, and so on uh, within the game, which you can already see uh, on the community website where we have more than or close to 2,500 organizations already and, and one of them is already more than 1,000 members. So this is already very significant. Um, and we want to actually push that in the game. Yeah, I think one, uh, one of the big things to focus on for, for organizations here is that our, I think our main goal for the first release was giving you the options and allowing you to create the organization that represent what you actually do in-game or what you want to do in-game. Um, so if you're, you know, a small group of friends, great, you can just create a small group. You don't need to worry about any sort of hierarchy or anything like that. You can just set up your small organization. You know, maybe you have a couple of rights that you want to assign to people, and that'll work out perfectly. If you're, you know, a massive organization, as JC said, that has, you know, potentially thousands of members, and you need to do groups, and you need to, you know, separate people into different jobs, and you need to, you know, give them specific rights, depending on their job, depending on their group, and, you know, have this massive organization where, 
groups belong to groups and organizations belong to organizations, then you can do that as well. And it's up to you to sort of set that up and manage that and have the legates available to be able to manage that correctly so that you know your organization doesn't fall into disrepair. But you can do it and it's up to you. Yeah, like many things actually um, in this game, what we try to do is we, we take something that, that exists um, in some other games or some, sometimes in reality and we try to deconstruct it into smaller building blocks. And that's what we give to the players, the building blocks. So they can actually rebuild uh, what already exists, but also possibly more. And that, that's what is exciting. And it's at the heart of the vision, which is about emergence. Um, we do that with everything. We want to give some the building blocks and be amazed by what comes out of the recombinations of all these uh, small parts. Um, there's another uh, aspect of these uh, social features that is kind of bound, bundled with it. It's, it's the ownership. Um, and this is also not very familiar. I don't know a lot of games who are doing that. Um, it's simply the fact that you know everything in the game has an owner, and that can that is already be, that's already the case. I mean, for the the constructs, uh, but that is going to go down to all the items as well. So I can have in my inventory, uh, I don't know, uh, some engine. Element, an engine, let's say, yeah, uh, that doesn't belong to me. And that's all, all fine. And if you think about it, that's, uh, that's how it works in real life. I mean, uh, it's not because I hand you my phone for a minute that you put it in your pocket and it's now yours. It's still mine. It's in your pocket, but well, it's still mine. you can technically do it, but that makes you a thief. That's right. So it's an explicit action you do and that we will introduce at some point in the game that you can actually steal. That means I change the ownership from whoever that was to myself. And that's an explicit thing. So, it, But otherwise, it's just handed to you. What, what happens in the real life if you have a transporter that brings uh, you know, packages, uh, it's not because the transport put them in, in their truck that uh, the packages become theirs, right? It's fundamental. They're still mine. So I could give hundreds of examples like that that shows that once you reach a certain level of complexity of organizations, trade, economy, and so on, it's very useful to be able to introduce this notion of ownership so that your organization owns stuff. You have your own stuff yourself that belongs to you, and all those things can live together without being worried to you know, uh, mix things because they happen to be in the same container and you don't know who is doing what. Uh, you could have a party that go mining and you share the same container to put your stuff. Anyway, it's going to be still yours and you'll be able to filter in the, in the container interface uh, what items are belonging to me or to somebody else. So this is a very powerful feature that permeates the whole game, in fact, and, and brings a lot of simplification to the gameplay. Uh, I think is going to be uh, very useful. Yeah, the the second big part of uh, of ownership in regards to organizations is that, uh, as JC mentioned before, organizations can now own constructs, and that's something that was very important to us. And you know, in order to support this, you know, very large corporation gameplay, organization gameplay, um, organizations need to be able to be owners. Uh, of different constructs. So if you want to have, uh, you know, a, a fleet of ships that anyone in your organization can access, maybe that's going to be organization-owned, right? If you have a big base that, you know, is the, is the major outpost for your organization, maybe you're going to want that to be organization-owned. And, and as part of that, the, the, the important part to empower that is that players will not be able to formally transfer and trade constructs, um, which is something that is just not possible in the game today. You can give your ship to somebody and give him rights to it, and he can take it and fly off, but for all intents and purposes, that ship is still yours. Um, and now you will be able to transfer constructs 
to other players, but also to organizations. So and, that yeah. yeah, go ahead, Jesse. Well, just to you know to to uh, close the loop, the, there's the third uh, uh, part of these uh, social features, uh, which is the the revamp, partial revamp of the uh, right and duty management system, which is very important because uh, it goes together with, with with what we just said. If an organization owns a construct uh, and there's no RDMS that the organization can manage, that means that. The organization as a thing is the only thing that can fly in this ship. And of course, an organization doesn't fly anything. It doesn't really exist. So uh, it needs to be able to express that uh, as an organization, I give the right to fly or to use in that case uh, to, of this construct to this set of people. And so we had to extend the expressivity of the existing RDMS, which was in fact just a placeholder. Um, so that it's able to manage group of people, uh, group of rights. We've introduced new new type of rights uh, and group of things. So you can combine these three types of groups to express uh, what what we call a, a, a rule that that will actually define a particular uh, authorization uh, on a set of assets, set of people, and set of rights. Yeah, I think maybe just go a little bit more into detail about that. Um, fundamentally, the, the RDMS system has seen quite a, a big overhaul. Now it's going to be an actual tool that is quite powerful that you'll be able to use to manage not only your assets, but your organization's asset. And the tie into organizations here is that if you are the legate of, of an organization, then you will have the, the right, you will have access to manage uh, that organization's uh, RDMS. Um, and, and just to detail a little bit of the, the categories that JC was talking about, fundamentally, the RDMS is split into three groups. Uh, the first group is actors. Actors are groups of people that you put together um, to define whatever. It, this is totally up to you. So for example, if I have a small group of friends and I have you know, Tom and Arthur, I can put Tom and Arthur in a group and then I can use that group for other things. Um, if I'm a huge organization and uh, I'm managing thousands of members, then I can, I can actually reference organizations. I can say, well, everyone in this organization is going to be able to be used and have access to various things. The second category is going to be the actual rights. So today in the game, we have a fairly limited amount of rights, and we've actually expanded that quite drastically. Um, you know, there's going to be construct-based rights, construct -based rights, there will be territory-based rights, there's going to be item-based rights, uh, and, and a couple more that I, I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But we've sort of drastically expanded how many rights you can have. And so uh, in conjunction with the groups, you'll be able to say, hey, this group can do this thing. And then the last part is going to be the tags or the target. Uh, which is fundament fundamentally the same thing. Essentially, you'll be able to tag a whole variety of items. So we're, we're talking about constructs. We're talking about owned items in the inventory, as JC was mentoring, mentioning before. Uh, we're talking about territories and you know all sorts of things that you'll be able to tag, and that'll be the target for that policy. So essentially, you'll have groups of people that you're, you're making. You're going to have a list of rights that you're deciding, and a target that you're defining. And together, that gives you a fairly straightforward rule. And, and you can have many of these, you can combine them, you can have multiple tags, multiple rights, multiple groups, and managing that and having all that set up is, is for you to do. So actually, this, uh, these you know, so-called social features that we're introducing, it's actually quite a big deal, right? It's not just uh, introducing guilds to the game. It's um, it's really uh, first having you know the, the different rules. Um, I just want to wrap up a little bit. Like we have the uh, uh, super legates, uh, legates and members for the team. We have like the nested organizations as well. Um, we have the rights and uh, duty management system. Uh, we have the ownership. And uh, all of that really touches upon um, a lot of different systems in the game. You know, it touches upon building, upon the, upon the economy, 
um, and upon uh, you know a lot of things that make Joel Universe what what it is. Um, I actually want to expand a little bit that um, obviously uh, we're putting a lot of uh, social features in there. There's a, a lot more coming, right? Um, and we know that uh, we have to uh, you know work on uh, things like you know our chat system and uh, other elements. Uh, I also wanted to add that we're working on uh, ensuring that all the organizations that have been created on the website obviously are in the game when we release the those social features in Alpha 3. Uh, we know that um, uh, we have to um, we have to come up with a solution for uh, all the members of organizations who are not uh, players at the moment. So this is something that we'll we'll come back to uh, probably in a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, I guess uh, that wraps up uh, what we had to say about uh, organizations. So let's move, uh, let's move forward because uh, these are the two big pieces like PVP, construct versus construct and organizations and social features, but there's actually more coming to Alpha 3, right? Uh, and this is by no means like the, the full list, list of, uh, of uh, like a change log of Alpha 3, but more like a, a list of some of the other interesting features like worthy of note that are gonna be coming in Alpha 3. And the first one is all the, the changes and the improvements we're making to uh, piloting. So JC and Cantropy, yep. which one, one of you wants to talk about that? Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much excited about the, this new evolution of the, the piloting. Um, we are aware that, that when we change things about piloting, it might actually change also the way your ship is uh, flying. Well, we're still in alpha, so we consider it's okay to do these kind of changes because it's, uh, you know, it's like an investment into the future. We need to have a very good mechanics on that. So we, we improved a lot of things on, on piloting. I think it would be too long, actually, to go into details in a, in a podcast like this. It would deserve a full uh, a blog post, probably, or something that will list everything. So I'm just going to hint at some of the things. Uh, um, we've, we've introduced um, a ways that uh, the wings of your airplanes can actually talk. So they can actually get you to turn without having you to necessarily add some uh, adjusters. Uh, we have revamped entirely the, the generation of the script. Uh, that is uh, the Lua script that is inside your, your uh, control unit. Uh, so that it gives you better control. We introduce also the possibility for you to select uh, controlling the, the, the flight with the mouse. So, you know, you move the mouse and it turns the ship, which is a very familiar way of piloting in, in many other games. So it's just up to you, you decide. Uh, and, and all this is, of course, completely transparent from the standpoint of the Lua code. So if you go inside it, you can change everything you want. So you can, you can still, you know, control how it looks. You will probably have to actually regenerate um, the auto-configure script uh, on your old construct so that you benefit from this once we release the Alpha 3. Um, and um, yeah, there are many other things. Um, maybe like uh, when you press G, you have uh, you have the gears that are uh, uh, stepping out of the ship automatically. These are like uh, quality of life type of improvements also that are added. Yeah, I think one of the one of the really cool things that we did actually that you didn't quite mention is uh, cruise control. And oh, yeah. uh, cruise yeah. control is something that is super cool. Essentially, cruise control is a way of controlling your ship. Uh, using a velocity rather than thrust. Um, this means that you know it'll be a little bit easier to control a ship. It'll be a different mode, uh, which will have its advantages and disadvantages. In space, for newer players, it'll be easier uh, because you'll have better feedback and it'll be easier to understand exactly what you're doing. Uh, it's not a better way of controlling the ship. There's you know things that you can do in both modes with the, the mode that you guys know using just thrust and direction, uh, but the velocity mode will allow you to do cooler things. 
Um, and the second thing that I wanted to mention is we've spent quite a little bit of, little bit of time on balancing. Uh, so this is sure to be a, a controversial point for uh, certain people in the community, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, for a long time now, especially space engines uh, have existed in a state where they weren't really balanced at all. And they were uh, ridiculously overpowered, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, so we spent a little bit of time on sort of addressing that and making sure that there's a healthy uh, ecosystem where it's not too easy to activate these engines and you don't go too crazy. And as part of that, and I know this was a, a big complaint uh, that we've read quite a, f quite a few times on the forums, we've adjusted the cost of uh, rocket booster fuel. Um, we, we know we, when we set those values early on, we didn't really pay too much attention to how much it actually costs and how many, how many materials you actually had to mine to fill uh, you know, a large rocket booster uh, tank. Uh, so, you know, we sort of went back to that and we, we looked at those numbers, we, we made a couple of up updates. So since we're, you know, nerfing space engines a little bit, on the other hand, we're going to be buffing rocket boosters and making them easier to use. And you can put them on more ships without feeling like you're draining your entire bank account. Yeah. W w one word about that also is, um, even though indeed it was, uh, too difficult to mine, uh, what is needed to build the, the fuel for the rocket engine. Keep in mind also that this game is supposed to be played in a society of players and that it is very unlikely that you're ever going to mine yourself the fuel you're using uh, because you're just going to go and buy it. And some people are going to specialize into doing just that, you know, mining the stuff, uh, industrializing it and, and making sure it, it reaches you by having some um, you know, ways so, so they are not too far away. And, and so it means that it it's not the goal of the game design ultimately to make sure that you individually can do everything from A to Z um, regarding, for example, uh, your ship maintenance and so on. It's all fine if there are things that you consider a little bit too hard because just look at the market. Someone's going to sell it to you at a price that should make sense. Otherwise, it's not going to sell it. Uh, so this is going to auto-regulate in some way. And that's, that's the spirit of what we're trying to do in terms of balancing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that in terms of the sort of the, you know, the overarching thought. But there was definitely some uh, little yeah, yeah, weird sure. number quirks with rocket boosters, which were uh, yeah. a little bit absurd. So moving on, um, something we introduced uh, back in July in Alpha 2 was uh, the industry. And uh, we are continuing to tweak the industry and improve it. And there's actually uh, uh, quite a few uh, notable changes coming to Alpha 3 uh, with regards to the industry. So NQ Entropy, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so I think I'll, I'll leave the uh, the recipe part of it to JC, and I'll, I'll maybe bounce off of him after that. Um, in terms of functionality, there's like two big things that we've added to industry that you guys, you know, we hope you guys will like, um, which is two new modes in which you can activate your industry units. Um, the first one is what we're calling maintain. Um, what that does is that, you know, your, your industry is going to be linked to an out container, as you guys know. And what maintain, what the maintain mode will do is that it will attempt to keep the number that you set in that out container of whatever that industry is building. So for example, let's say that I'm creating a big chain that has you know, functional parts going to one place, pure going to another place, yada, yada, the, the whole works to create a whole bunch of elements. What I can do is instead of having my uh, refinery just pumping out you know, a ton and ton and ton of pure ore uh, from, from raw and you know, filling up all my containers, I can say, hey, all I want you to do is maintain 30 ore in this container for as long as you run. So that means that you're not going to be overloading containers. You're not going to be, you know, drastically consuming uh, your resources in, at an accelerated rate. 
Uh, and you can choose to say, all I want you to do is maintain 10 functional parts here. I want you to maintain one engine here. I want you to, so, you know, maybe you only need to create a couple of engines. You can put maintain five, for example, in your out container for your element and everything will run. But as soon as it reaches five modules made, five elements made, then that's it. It's, everything's going to shut down and it's going to stop. So you won't have, you know, all this industry running if you don't need it to be. Um, the second mode that we have, which is a little bit simpler to explain, is simply you can run any number of uh, runs that you want on any industry. So instead of, instead of saying, hey, I'm turning it on and I've just got to wait and maybe I got to you know, wait here for 30 minutes and turn it off later, you can say, for this industry, I just want you to make 10 items. So if I've got an industry that's making you know, functional parts or whatever it is that I'm doing, I can say, hey, make 10 functional parts. It'll make the 10 functional parts and then it'll be done. And then we did a lot of work on recipes as well. And I'll let JC bounce on that. Yeah, yeah, we, we pretty much revamped most of the recipes. And there's been a lot of work to, uh, you know, build an algorithm to, to check that the, the, the overall equilibrium of all the recipes. It's, it's a fairly complex problem because um, you typically have different recipes available to produce a particular type of uh, product. So it's uh, it's been quite interesting, and we we try to balance um, the difficulty to build things so that the most difficult things are probably not going to be a, uh, you know, something you can craft all by yourself, or it's going to be a huge effort. But if you factor in the fact that uh, you have a society of players, and then you can buy the intermediary parts you need uh, ready-made from other people, actually you divide potentially the time you would need you alone uh, by thousands actually so it, it becomes completely feasible so that's in in this spirit we we've uh, we've the uh, the recipes we rework the ore distributions so there will be modification of the underground ore distribution we introduced also a fair number of new industrial units uh that are specialized so depending on the type of things they are producing uh well the the original version that we shipped uh, uh before in alpha 2 was more placeholder to you know to to get the thing uh, rolling, but this is more now uh, the real vision we had about the industry unit. That basically, if you have an industry unit that can do some uh, something related to, uh, I mean, so that can produce some parts that necessary uh, necessitates the production of uh, glass or uh, metal. All this is consistent, so you will not put a recipe to create a glass in a thing that is clearly. Uh, for example, a press or industrial press that, that doesn't make sense. So we tried to rationalize that. So there are more industry units. Uh, we worked on new designs, so they look cool. Um, and we are going to keep you know, improving the look and making more animations and so on. Uh, so it's going to create some pretty amazing factories to just to look at them, actually. Um, and it's all part of this, this revamp. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the really cool things we did with recipes as well, in, in addition to all that, is that uh, you know everything we did with the parts? So JC sort of alluded to it, where now when you make an item and you know you whatever element that you're trying to make, it'll feel like it's making sense based on the parts that you're actually putting in. Uh, before you know the parts that we had, you know you were putting in you know functional part one and you know <laughs> structural part three, and you know it didn't really mean anything. Now you're actually going to be putting in actual parts that have actual names that are you know tubes and buffers and LEDs and processors and you know, all of these different sort of elements. And when you're assembling an actual element in the end, when you're making an engine, for example, the, the, the parts that are used to make this engine will sort of make sense. You'll be using a burner and you'll be using a case housing and you'll be using, you know, whatever else, whatever else is required. And we think that's, that's cool. So this is actually a, this is a 
quite a lot uh, yeah, coming from the absolutely. industry, right? It's a it's yeah. a big evolution from uh, Alpha Two. I think. And, I think um, just just as a side note, um, you know the the we mentioned before that you know the big features, you know PvP and all the social features, those are like new features. But actually, we have spent a lot of time on things like industry and piloting in the past few months, and you know they've both seen very very noticeable improvements. And I think players coming back and and you know who who, who haven't played in a while maybe will have a totally different experience in regards to things like industry and piloting. And I think this is a good example of, uh, you know, what, you know, PVP and, and social features could evolve to uh, in the future after we release that first version. So we actually have more to talk about when it comes to Alpha 3. And um, something that I think is worth actually explaining properly, it's one of the new features being introduced in the game, is uh, surface gathering. So, Jesse, you want to explain why we're introducing surface gathering exactly, and then maybe uh, we can talk about what exactly it is. Yeah, uh, so surface gathering is uh, an extension of the existing mining uh, gameplay that allows you to uh, collect on the surface, so without having to dig any hole, uh, resources usually of fairly low value, but still uh, available. Uh, so very easy. It's like um, you know level one for miners, so when you want to actually start. Uh, and you, you, you can collect those things, you can sell them on the market, so make a little bit of money uh, without having to go into the more complex and deep gameplay of actual mining. Uh, so th this is one thing. And the other thing is that those resources will, depending on the area where they are, so there will be different policies, but they will actually regenerate. It's a source of, you know, it's a way for beginners to make a little bit of money. It's relatively easy and it's useful in the economy as well. And it's, it's a way to, to deal with this, this issue. Also, we want actually that, um, you know, we had a lot of holes everywhere, people trying to dig uh, a bit randomly and so on, because they had to, because that's the only way you can get anything that will get you money. So uh, we, th this is an effort globally to actually rationalize a little bit the mining and provide ways for players to make a little bit of money when they start. It's not going to be the end of it. There will be more things coming. We, we are aware that you need to have simple ways to start in the game and make a bit of money. Uh, so, But that's, we start with this mining aspect, and I think it's, it's pretty cool. Um, it will complement nicely what we already have on, on mining. I think the keyword here is really a, a complement, right? This is in no way something to replace mining. Sure. And uh, it is not going to uh, dumb down mining in dual universe, right? No, no. It's a way more casual experience, and it lives together with the more uh, you know, deep uh, and fairly complex you know, mining uh, original uh, gameplay. Yeah, I think just quickly in addition to that, before we get into the specifics, um, when we were looking at, you know, surface gathering and, and everything that we wanted to do there, you know, there were a lot of feedback from maybe newer players that were saying that mining was a little bit too complex. And, you know, we know that mining is actually a little bit complex and becoming a good miner is, can be difficult. And, you know, becoming an expert in mining and being the fastest miner and, you know, getting really efficient at mining is something that we like quite a bit. Um, but we accept and we understand that as a newer player and, you know, when, when you're starting out and you don't know exactly what's going on, uh, mining can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, and so this is this is a big step in order to help that, and as JC said, to help new players make money and you know put a little bit of resources in pockets of new players so they can start experimenting a little bit with crafting and, and building and whatever it is that they want to do. Yeah, it will also complement uh, very well you know, the, the early game experience on the, on the Sanctuary Moons where there, there will be nothing really of value to mine uh, in the traditional sense, but there will be those uh, surface gathering possibilities that will be given to players over there. 
And um, so to be clear, uh, what we're talking about, by the way, is uh, you can surface gather things like a, a particular rock or maybe a crystal or some, some type of trees, uh, these kind of things that will actually blend in the, you know, in the biome look and it will be actually adding um, uh, visually uh, to the, the experience. And yeah. it's really some specific ores that you're going to be able to gather. Absolutely not the, the full list of ores that we have in the game. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. Like the, the basic idea is we're going to be adding these sort of new surface gathering assets um, that we've created and we're going to be adding them to existing biomes. Um, this is going to be something that uh, is going to be a little bit slower to roll out because this is going to be something that takes power very, very much uh, when we redo all the planets. Um, however, in the initial version, we'll be able to sort of artificially seed some uh, into certain areas, into certain biomes uh, for Alpha 3. And then as we start remaking planets and, you know, getting to the final versions of those, uh, surface gathering will happen everywhere. And, you know, fundamentally, it involves a new tool, which, we're, which is the surface gathering tool. You'll be able to walk up to uh, these uh, these small assets that you'll be able to recognize. They'll be a little bit different. You'll be able to tell that, uh, you know, it's a surface gathering element. It's not just going to be a, a random branch or anything like that. And uh, you can activate your tool. There's a little bit of a wind-up and an animation. And then you can get those resources. So moving on to the next topic, I think this one will be the, the fastest to talk about. And I yeah. know, Jesse, this is one that uh, is really dear to your heart. So I'm going to leave you uh, the opportunity to announce it. Yeah, well, it's just the comeback of the territory units, which is one of those features that are extremely important to uh, get all these players to live together. Uh, it's the fact that you can you know, claim your territory and secure it. Um, but now you will not be able to conquer somebody else's territory. This is what we call territory warfare. Uh, but at least you can secure your you know, safe haven um, where you can uh, build stuff and decide through the RDMS who has the right to uh, mine, who has the right to build, and so on. So this used to be there uh, very early and went away. <laughs> uh, so now it's back. Awesome. So uh, maybe to finish on those uh, other features coming to Alpha 3, we have a bunch of uh, visual improvements, one of which uh, uh, we showed in the video um, where you were talking about the uh, updated roadmap. And um, you want to talk about that? This is what we call uh, spa space lighting internally? Yeah, well, we, we, we knew and uh, we had a lot of feedback about the fact that uh, when you were in the dark uh, in the game, like behind a planet or if the sun was you know, shining uh, in your back, uh, it was pitch black uh, or almost. And basically, well, this might be realistic and you could be happy about the fact that it's realistic, but uh, we're, we're making a game and it's just making it very hard to interact or just to understand what's going on and so on. So we had just added a beautiful nebula uh, that is subtle, that is not too, too bright, but it's bringing a little bit of light everywhere so you can see things in the dark. Uh, you, you can see that it's uh, obviously dark, but you, you're still able to uh, understand what is there. So it changes radically the experience in space. Suddenly you, there are even things that <laughs> you didn't see at all that, that are suddenly uh, popping and you realize that there's something there. Um, yeah, so that, that, that was a much needed uh, improvement and it adds a beautiful you know, touch to the, the look of the game. It's going to be great for players to show off their, their constructs right totally. as well. So uh, uh, this is quite important. Maybe uh, also we want to add that uh, I think we're still tweaking um, you know, how much of that we put into the game. So we've tried different... Uh, uh, different, you know, versions or different intensity of that uh, of that light, and uh, then we're we're quite happy with what we have right now. But uh, this is something that uh, you know we can always uh, 
make Evolve in the future as well? Yeah, I mean, for me, purely from, you know, a gameplay standpoint, I mean, I, I play the game a lot to, you know, test a lot of different things. Um, flying in space when, you know, as JC said, it was totally pitch black, you know, it, it took away quite a bit from the experience and you were, you know, sometimes you, mm, okay, well, I guess I'll just wait till maybe I'm in the sun again. Uh, but now, I mean, when you're traveling in space, even when you're not directly in the sunlight, it is so much better to just be able to see your ship, to be able to look around you. And you can actually see other ships in the, in the distance now. If there's a ship that isn't very far from you and you just look in its direction, you'll actually be able to see it, which was pretty much impossible before. Yeah. <laughs> so it just it, it's so much more pleasant and so much more interesting just visually to be able to just, even when you're just transporting goods, you're going from one planet to another, just being able to look around and being able to see is just great. So last but not least, um, uh, one of the changes that we've actually, I think, started to uh, gradually introduce uh, in the game is changes to the UI. Uh, so you're going to see a bunch of new um, you know, designs for UI. Obviously, everything for organizations is going to be brand new, but we're also revamping uh, uh, parts of the UI. Uh, maybe something we want to say here is that not all the menus inside the game, not all the elements of UI will be changed in Alpha 3. So you're, you're still going to have like a mix of uh, the previous UI and the new UI inside the game. And, uh, you know, as always, this is still something that we'll be uh, improving upon and uh, iterating upon in the future. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, the, the, the goal is to revamp entirely the whole UIs uh, that are currently in the game. Uh, it's obviously a long effort. But it has to be done so that we have more consistent interfaces. And uh, so this is going uh, ongoing, and you will see the first part of it uh, <coughs> in, the, in the Alpha 3. So now we're going to uh, talk a little bit about um, you know, the rest of the roadmap. We've been really focusing on Alpha 3 so far, and um, there are a few changes and modifications to the roadmap that we're introducing in the new uh, document that we're releasing today. And uh, this is what we're going to talk about right now. Also, I want to add that uh, as we do so, uh, we will hopefully answer some of the questions that we have seen um, on the forums. Actually, I want to, uh, I mean, we want to thank the community for, um, you know, putting out all their questions on the forums. You know, we've been reading that very carefully. Um, and, uh, you know, the feedback and the questions from the community is something that uh, the team really takes at heart. Um, and, uh, yeah, as I said, you know, hopefully we'll answer some of these questions already, uh, in this section. So looking at the, um, uh, looking at the roadmap, uh, following alpha three, something you've mentioned JC in the video is that we will be focusing a lot on, uh, what we call consolidation or stabilization internally. Um, you, you had mentioned that after alpha three, you know, the, like the baseline of all the key pillars of gameplay for the game. Uh, will be uh, will have been introduced, and that after that, first, obviously, since we're introducing those two big pieces, uh, PvP and um, uh, organizations, um, obviously, this is going to uh, potentially introduce some additional uh, instability to the game, or you know, need for balancing, and um, uh, you know, you use the expression is going to get uh, uh, worse before it gets better, but the good news is uh, we have a plan to make it uh, to make it better. Um, we've seen a lot of feedback from the community about, you know, when are you uh, fixing this bug? When are you, uh, uh, you know, working on the server and, and uh, the scalability? And these are actually all the things that we'll be focusing on primarily after the launch of Alpha 3. Yeah, it, it's fairly uh, common actually in, a, in a game production that uh, there is a phase where you add features, where you, you actually 
complete your product and then you you enter into a phase of polishing, bug fix, uh, taking into account uh, user experience, feedback, and so on. So this is basically the phase we will have to enter after Alpha 3 if we, have a, if we want to have a chance to uh, deliver a stable product at, at beta stage. So that's uh, inevitable. Um, it means that some features that we would have dreamt of having, you know, uh, in, in beta will have to be uh, postponed a little bit later. And I think if it's in, uh, you know, uh, if, if, if the end result is that the, the game is more stable, that it's better to play, that it's better understandable, that we do a better job, a better job at uh, onboarding new players, uh, it will be all for the better. Um, so, again, I mean, as I said, the very, at the very beginning, the point is not to change anything in the long-term roadmap, but just make adjustments so that we can focus on the, uh, those very important polishing phase. Uh, doesn't mean there will be no feature added <clears throat> because some, some features uh, are still missing, you know, after the FI3. Uh, I mentioned some of them on the repair unit and so on. So we have to deal with these uh, so that we don't have like a big hole in the, you know, stability, equilibrium of the, or the logic of the game. Um, so uh, that's, that's the only exception, but most of the energy will be devoted to making everything that is already there uh, top-notch and, and polished as much as we can. So um, if we go back to uh, that focus on uh, consolidation before we talk again, do we talk again about these, uh, you know, additional features that will make their way to uh, uh, beta one or beta two. Um, so what we're talking about here really is not just uh, bug fixing, right? We're talking about global performance, uh, you know, the stability of the players, making sure that uh, we can uh, scale up the way we want, we want the service to scale. Um, there's also something that is quite important, which is what we call the user experience. So it's, um, it's um, making sure that all these features that we've introduced over the last uh, few months, you know, between Alpha 1, Alpha 2, and Alpha 3, they kind of they gel. Uh, they kind of really uh, work together well. Um, and, uh, and that they, they really make like a, for a, a smooth experience. Yeah, and, and you know, just just uh, considering the podcast we're doing right now, um, it, it took us uh, quite a lot of time just to uh, sketch what's going to come in some of those features like organization or RDMS. So you can imagine that um, you cannot ask a new player to listen to a podcast for potentially hours. Uh, we need to make it so that you can discover all these uh, mechanisms within the game in a cool way. Uh, and, and this is not done like, at the moment. It's very rough. Um, so people get into the game. Hopefully they have seen a bunch of videos and they know friends who can uh, help them. <coughs> so, But uh, this is not the way it should be. Uh, you should be able to uh, just get into the game and understand. So this is very important. Uh, you mentioned also um, the server tests. So we have started a, a huge effort to develop more and more powerful testing platforms with dedicated people in the team who are going to push the limits uh, so that we can... Uh, Test as much as possible, uh, you know, how, how far we can go uh, at this stage of the technology. It's always difficult, you know, to test uh, uh, in real uh, life conditions because uh, there's no way we could summon like one million players uh, tomorrow morning and they all show up and they help uh, very nicely to test the game. Um, so Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice, <laughs> yes, but it's it's notoriously very difficult to do. So we, we build a bot, so... Uh, uh, artificial players that are simulating, uh, but it's not always perfect. So we improve this so that it's more and more realistic and we can ramp up to a very, very large number of players. So this is ongoing. 
it's extremely important and that is actually the top number one priority in terms of you know polishing bug fix performances and so on yeah just to expand just a little bit on the uh, user experience side of things uh we, we know that we have a lot of very complicated features and and you know in many ways we like that uh but in many other ways we know that you know that's not ideal for a brand new player to sort of be submerged by all this information right so one of the really important things that we want to try to do ideally is to make sure that the player gets the information when he needs it so a brand new player probably doesn't need to know all the intricacies of the rdms he probably doesn't even need to know it exists for probably many hours um similarly does he need to know how to do you know high level space combat probably not in the first couple of hours he probably needs to know how to put down a core unit that's probably very important and we should make sure that he has that information uh, and prioritize, you know, which information gets to him. And actually, even even simpler, I mean, he, he just needs to know how to buy a, a spaceship because, or it's a small vehicle, uh, because it's perfectly okay that uh, you don't start by building, uh, you know, your 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 ship as you enter the game. You just go and buy some spaceships. Then you start to customize it. You start to understand how it's done, and at some point, you uh, start by to 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 decide you want to build your own. Um, but yes, yes, that's, uh, if you think about the fact that there will be uh, so many organizations and so many players that are also trying to onboard new players because, uh, you know, you as, as an organization, you want to recruit them. So you want them to become members. So they also, I, I suspect these, these organizations will probably also contribute to onboarding by providing, uh, you know, experience, like maybe providing a ship, join us and we give you a ship and we're going to tell you how it works and so on and so on. Um, so... Even, I mean, we, we still have to do it ourselves. I mean, we need to have a standalone experience. But I, I suspect that in the future, we will get a lot of help, actually, from the, the existing uh, main organizations in this. And I think this, this onboarding is particularly in, important as we're heading into uh, uh, 2020, which is going to be another big year for Nova Quark. Um, you know, we're going to be hitting uh, beta, we're going to be uh, lifting the NDA, and uh, one of our hopes, obviously, is that we'll have more and more players joining uh, the Nova Core community, so we have to be ready to onboard these players, we have to uh, uh, be ready to have, you know, a, a more massive amount of players joining the, joining the game, and uh, it's absolutely critical that before we lift the NDA or that we, uh, uh, we hit beta, that we have uh, uh, this onboarding, like, polished and, uh, and more fleshed out, I guess. Yes, totally, and and the performances and and you know lots of things that um, the player community has mentioned, and we know about the, those issues. That so these will be ironed out and and uh, uh, fixed uh, necessarily by by the time of the beta. So I want to come back to uh, you know one thing that I'm sure the uh, our community has has noticed right now as they uh, they look at the um, new roadmap document is. The fact that uh, we have made a change, uh, a significant one, with the introduction of a beta 2. And that was actually one of the uh, questions on the forum. Uh, will we have beta phases 2? So um, I guess uh, one of the big news is uh, we, we, we will have uh, beta phases. So originally we had the release of the game plan for uh, uh, the second half of uh, 2019. And uh, we're going to be keeping that milestone. Maybe it's going to be early 2021. And uh, as you had said in the video, making sure that we have like this cadence uh, of releases and that we, we hit our dates, except um, this is going to become a, a beta two phase. And uh, one of the reasons for that is what you had mentioned earlier, right? We need to, at the same time, focus on uh, stabilization, user experience, and uh, making sure that everything we've introduced to the game really uh, 
uh, gels and comes together. But we also need to introduce some um, uh, additional features that are really important to um, uh, the coherence, the, co the cohesiveness of, of, of the game and uh, all the different gameplay pillars. Uh, so if you look, at the, if you look at, the, at the document, the ones we have listed, we think are really uh, critical at this stage is uh, fast travel. Uh, as we had mentioned earlier, uh, iterating on uh, construct versus construct combat. We have territory warfare as well, something you had mentioned earlier on, as well as um, uh, a revamp of uh, the different planets and uh, the biomes. Uh, inside the game. So you want to talk a little bit about, about that and uh, why we have spread them between beta 1 and beta 2. I think this is our way of uh, uh, being as honest as possible about, um, you know, we're not sure how long that stabilization and that consolidation phase will take and, uh, um, you know, when each of the features will be released, whether it's in beta 1 or beta 2. And uh, it's not because one is in beta 2, for instance, that it's necessarily going to come at beta 2. It's going to to come at the latest in beta 2. I think that's the, the spirit of the, the document. So Jesse, you want to speak a little bit about all that? Yeah, well, um, the, the reason why we put a bit of flexibility here is that, uh, yeah, we want to gain more flexibility, not promise things that we cannot necessarily hold. But there are, there are uh, some of those features, as I said, that are actually uh, very necessary for the, equilibri uh, the equilibrium of the game, like the repair units. So these are going to make it to the beta. They have to. Um, and uh, so we can talk about all these different features. And, you know, just a word perhaps about the, the fact that we introduce a, a beta 2 is you know, what we want to do is to, to keep a sort of like a six-month uh, rendezvous, uh, you know, time timeline with you where we, we, uh, we have uh, uh, things that we deliver that are major every, every six months, in fact. And it felt like uh, keeping the release at the, the end of 2020, uh, you said 2019, I think. Uh, so that was originally oh, my bad. 2020. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, it's actually, we're recording this podcast pretty late in the day. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, it's, I mean, what matters is that when the game, which is beta or early stage, if you want, uh, the game will be available, you'll be able to play it. Uh, it will be uh, visible. There will be probably influencers talking about it and, and so on. So, it will be there, actually. So, um, the release is more like, uh, 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 acknowledgement of a maturation of the, the status of the game or something like that. It doesn't really matter that much that we offer ourselves six months more so that we can address all the issues. So to I mean to anticipate that we, we decided to just okay say we're gonna keep the rendezvous point at the end of 2020 as we said so we just call it beta two. We did that also for the, the alpha. Uh, we we named it into pre-alpha uh, because we thought it was not mature enough for uh, to, to call it an alpha, but you know what matters is the you know the the um, the fact that the pace is uh, every six months that this is regular that uh, you can expect some you know serious changes and or improvements at each of those uh, rendezvous points, uh, and so um, among those features that we want to squeeze in the beta one and beta two. Um, we are going to talk just very quickly, perhaps, on all those features, so we we give a, a an idea of why they are important and why uh, we we do them uh, there. Um, there's this fast travel feature, which is uh, so it's it's uh, uh, very controversial. There's a lot of discussions about that, and actually inside the team as well, how we exactly implement it. Uh, but if you don't have any fast travel. In a game like Dual Universe, if you cannot actually reach another planet in less than uh, six hours, 
effectively what you do is that you segment the, the the population of players because going to another planet is such a big you know investment of your time you'll do it a few times and so on maybe some people will specialize in doing it but um it's it's going to effectively segregate a little bit the, the communities on each planet and we want to actually make a large society of players that interact with each other that that do commerce that trade uh that that fight and so on so we need, in a way or another, and we are open to a lot of uh, suggestions, and this is not set in stone, but we need a way so that if you've visited a place already once, you can fast travel to it, which is a mechanism that you find, by the way, in many, many games. So we just have to do it right, so it doesn't introduce um, uh, some other distortions in the in the game, but we need to gather the players uh, by the way, by, by, by shrinking, basically, the distances. Uh, we could also get the planets very close to each other or, or increase the speed of uh, movement, but this will break realism. So what we really want is actually the possibility to uh, fast travel uh, from one point to the other with lots of limitations and gameplay uh, mechanics that will uh, frame this in a, in a meaningful way. So uh, another yeah. of the, I mean, uh, you want to talk more about uh, fast travel or okay with that? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, uh, since we are not set on the exact uh, you know, way it's going to be done, I think it's, uh, it's better to just uh, stop here for now. But I, I just want to explain you why this is such an important uh, structural feature uh, that we need to address. So one that is uh, maybe not as, you know, as much of a gameplay changer, but one that I, I, I'm particularly passionate about is uh, the one that uh, talks about the revamp of the, of the planets. Um, and uh, just giving that, you know, diversity and uh, making sure that exploring in dual universe, you know, gives you a sense of wonder, uh, I guess, uh, you know. Um, and uh, it's one that is actually uh, well underway. We, we've been making, I've seen some stuff internally that is uh, extremely exciting and uh, I think the players will really like. Yeah. Um, we originally wanted to have uh, some of that in Alpha 3. Uh, we decided that it's going to be uh, post-Alpha 3. Uh, to make sure that we have the best possible results. And um, um, yeah, so, I mean, you yeah. want to well, talk about the, the, this exactly? There's amazing things that are, you know, in the making, in the, uh, on, the, on the, the biome design, on the new textures. Uh, we're going to go towards more and more realistic textures, textures. It's really, really exciting. And it's part of the effort to revamp the 12 planets, uh, at least in, in the first system. Uh, so. Keep in mind that the the look and feel, I mean, how how the planets look today is still, in a way, a placeholder. We have some really cool things uh, that that should uh, come, and it should be done by by the time of the beta, so you can you can enjoy it. And it will be an ongoing effort um, on on these aspects. I mean, what we cannot change after the beta is the geometry of the planets. You know, the the procedural generation. Uh, we can still improve on the textures, on the type of uh, vegetations and things. Uh, but what, one thing is for sure is that uh, after beta, we don't wipe, we don't regenerate the planets and things like that. So it will be uh, the final version for the where the mountains are and everything. Uh, even so, of course, uh, later we're going to introduce other systems, but this is really for uh, post-release, where we will have the freedom to add even more variety and new stuff and so on uh, endlessly, where we're going to add new planets all the time. Yeah, one thing that's uh, that's pretty cool that's coming with new plants as well, and this is something that I've seen uh, discussed on the forums, uh, is related to mining, actually. And one of the things that the new planet editor will allow us to do 
is to have uh, bigger differences and a very wide variety of different mining veins. Uh, so anyone who's a, who's a big miner today knows that you know when you're mining ore, they always sort of come in the same shape. There's different you know types, you know carbon and silicon and whatever, but they always have the same shape and they're always in the same form. And one of the things that we're going to be able to do coming into with these new planets is that we're going to be able to have you know very large mega veins that are going to be crossing multiple territories. We're going to have you know very small pebbles that are hanging around. We're going to have you know medium sized stuff, long ones, you know stocky ones. Whatever we can do, whatever we want, and so we can have a lot more diversity in how the the veins look and how they're mined uh, eventually. So um, next, uh, between uh, beta 1 and beta 2, I mean, we talked about the, the next version of uh, Construct versus Construct Combat, so we're going to skip that and move directly to um, uh, Territory Warfare. I mean, you touched upon that a little bit earlier, uh, JC, when you... Uh, you talked about the ability to uh, take over um, the territory of another player. Yeah, well, um, that's that's uh, uh, something that the design is not completely set yet, but the idea is that uh, you'll be able to claim territories. And if you claim enough territories around a given territory that you already own, uh, you can create a sort of a protection. And suppose you are surrounded by uh, four other territories that you own, uh, then the, the one in the center becomes kind of a safe zone, basically. So that's the idea. And so if you if you continue doing this and you build a very large area of uh, of uh, tiles, let's say you're building a nation, uh, you can be fairly safe in the center of this area because to actually reach the the center, you need to destroy all the territory units and uh, around and, and and sort of create a path so you can actually reach for the center. So it's a long and difficult process. Most likely, uh, the territories are defended, so it's not going to be easy. And that is an interesting notion that, that allows to create um, temporary safe zones, if you want. Uh, and if your state is powerful enough, you can bring a level of uh, trust in the fact that the center tiles are going to be pretty secure. Uh, that will allow people to, um, you know, confidently build stuff there and so on. Uh, so this this is the, the kind of things we are going to work on. But basically, territory warfare is about, uh, you know, destroying the territory units so that you can actually reclaim the territory tile for yourself. Uh, so this, this mechanism will come uh, with the fact that we introduce the combat also on the surface of the planets. Um, so this is not going to be in uh, in Alpha Three, and so this is also part globally of the um, to the, 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 the evolution of the combat uh, V two uh, that will add uh, the fact that you know the the PvP area will be larger. You will not have just an, uh, a given zone, but the the whole system. There will be uh, the safe zones, um, the sanctuary moons, and these territory mechanisms I just described. So one item that is uh, right now um, slated for beta 2 uh, is the uh, mission system. Um, so the mission system is, um, I guess, one big component of, um, uh, you know, complementing all these social features that we talked about and uh, having like a thriving economy as well. Yeah, well, the mission system is uh, fundamentally, you know, taking what, what I mentioned before, uh, this idea that uh, you take an existing mechanism that you see in other games, for example, mechanisms of quests, and you deconstruct it so that you can hand it over to players so they can actually rebuild it. So the mission system is nothing more than a, a player-driven quest system, basically, that will allow players or organizations to design uh, missions that they can publish and address towards other players that can then fulfill them against... Uh, 
uh, rewards. So this is the, the rough idea. And I think it's very important because it will address, um, it will contribute to address uh, the question of, you know, a, a new player that comes into the game and doesn't yet know what he can do or what he wants, basically, and he, he looks for something to do. And the, the, the mission system will actually provide lots of things that you can just do. Uh, you can just, uh, uh, for example, some organization will need some uh, minerals, so you can apply for this. And if you bring the minerals, you get a reward. It's like a quest system, but it emerges from the players. And it's more genuine. It's linked to actual needs that some other players have. Uh, but it feels, you know, it, it, it opens the possibility for new players to basically have something to do explicitly. Yeah, one, one of the other things is that, um, you know, one of the things that we're a little bit worried about uh, for newer players is what exactly they can do. And so JC mentioned that, you know, this could be a big vector for, you know, maybe larger organizations sort of contracting uh, newer players to do simple tasks uh, for them, which, uh, and this is going to give newer players an objective, then maybe that means that you get in contact with uh, that organization and they like you and maybe you can join their organization, et cetera, et cetera. But in extension to that, one of the things that we've been exploring is the idea of uh, sort of essentially NPC-type uh, missions using the mission system. So there would be a small subset of activities that newer players could engage in, maybe only newer players, but that's, you know, TBD, uh, to sort of give them something to do, get a little bit more money in their pocket, and, you know, get them rolling out the gate so they can go out and enjoy the game. So... Moving along the uh, the roadmap, um, I want to talk a little bit about the the release and uh, uh, you know post release. And um, I guess at this point, uh, I mean we've had a lot of discussions about those, and uh, this is really an indication of you know what we think is an absolute priority that we need to have for uh, release, um, with some of the other features potentially um, uh, releasing after the release. You know we we really have this division obviously of a of a game in live development for hopefully, you know, many years. And we're going to continue to uh, uh, improve it and update the features to um, uh, fulfill that vision that you were talking about earlier on, uh, JC. Um, I think it's important to say that uh, we're trying to be as, as transparent as, and honest here about um, what we think we can accomplish. But obviously, if, if we can have some of these features ready earlier, we'll do our best to do so. Um, we're just trying to uh, be, as I said, as transparent as possible about, um, you know, what, what we think is a realistic deadline for uh, some of these features. So uh, one of them in particular that uh, was mentioned in some of the questions on the forums as well as, you know, moved, we talked about it earlier on uh, from Alpha 2 is uh, setting up your own market and, um, you know, other uh, economy-related features that would be coming, um, you know, before or at release. Yeah, uh, th these features that that are now scheduled for release are actually very important. So we will fight very, very hard to get them there, and it almost you know defines uh, the level of maturity that we call release. In fact, uh, player-owned market is fundamental because it allows uh, you know, the the geography of the game to be. Uh, completely in the hands of players. Because if you put um, uh, markets that are owned by, by us, that are by the game designers, you sort of crystallize the, the geography of the game around those particular points. So you, you create a, a sort of an artificial segmentation of space. So we want to have actually this emerging like everything else. Um, I also give the opportunity for players who are building 
uh, producing some small items to open a small market so they can you know uh, have their shop basically. So uh, this is an important feature. We, we're perfectly aware of it. Uh, it comes with a lot of challenges. Uh, that's why it's not yet in the game. Uh, because what happens if you run with uh, everything that is in your market? How do you deal with uh, destruction? Should we have uh, player-owned markets into uh, PvP areas or not? I mean, it's it's a fairly difficult thing to do right. So uh, it has not been done yet. Um, uh, we, we can talk about all the, the, the other features. I mean, the economy, uh, specialization, that we want actually people to be able to trade for blueprints, for constructs in a large-scale manner, so having markets where uh, constructs that are identified basically by their blueprints, so they are like considered identical, they can be traded on markets. Um, so these kind of things will boost the economy and, and enhance the player specialization. So it, it makes sense to uh, basically focus your game experience on building mass-producing uh, ships uh, or mass-producing uh, blueprints which is more difficult, not impossible. That's why it's not a, uh, you know, a, a, a feature that, that uh, for example, makes it to uh, Alpha 3 or, or Beta, because there are some other ways you can actually trade your constructs. So there are you know, workarounds on the fact that this is not yet there at the scale it should be. Um, so this, this is another example, the, the pets also, that uh, lots of people are waiting for. We're going to uh, work on that and put it in the release. Uh, character customization, you need to be able to customize your character at least in a minimal form uh, because this is an RPG. So these are things that are going to be uh, worked on. Uh, many people also mentioned the energy management. Uh, for those of you who are playing, you have noticed that the super powerful anti-gravity uh, units are basically free in terms of energy. So that's not the intent. Of course, you need to uh, well, you need to have a way. I mean, to pay for the use of such an incredible device. Uh, so it's a sort of fuel, basically the energy, but it comes with lots of specific challenges. So it will come in the game uh, to actually uh, allow to power certain types of uh, elements, not all of them. So most of the constructs are going to still fly. Uh, it's not something that is uh, breaking in any way. So we allow ourselves to delay it a little bit, also. We also have uh, the ability to create uh, parties of uh, or groups of people um, who are not necessarily part of the same organization uh, for them to uh, uh, work together, uh, play together, and uh, potentially you know go into a, a PvP fight together or do all sorts of things in dual universe. Yeah, and um, obviously something we will continue to do on an ongoing basis is polish the game and make sure that this is. Uh, a smooth and balanced experience. So, you know, that goes without saying. Um, I actually want to go back to uh, some of the questions that I read on the forum. Uh, one that I hope we just answered, which was, uh, you know, will, will beta have phases too? So I guess question answered. Yes, it will have phases. That's uh, one of the things we're introducing right now. And one that really actually uh, made me think a lot, um, which uh, is, you know, Ties into some of the discussions I've had with UJC. Uh, is beta going to be feature complete, or will we see that at release? And um, I've <laughs> we've been asking ourselves the question: you know, what is feature complete for Dual Universe? Right? We have uh, such big ambitions with this game that uh, it's it's hard to say when will be really feature complete. Um, so, I guess the way we're looking at it, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, JC is alpha. Obviously, the game is still under development and. As soon as we hit beta, it means that the game is uh, ready for a wider audience and that we have the 
um, the minimum when it comes to the, the, the big pillars of gameplay in the game and the user experience, but it does not necessarily mean that it is feature complete in the sense that it fulfills the vision that, that you have for this game, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And um, what allows you know, a feature to be uh, not part of beta, basically, is if we think there is a workaround or if we think that the, the loss of this feature is not breaking the game in a significant way. So uh, people can enjoy all the aspects of the game without this feature. Uh, so it's always debatable because, you know, it's, um, of course, we would like to have everything. But um, yeah, uh, I think I gave an example before, you know, of a feature that is uh, clearly missing, but there is a workaround. People can find ways to actually do the things that they need to do. Maybe it's not as convenient. Maybe it's not as uh, scalable in terms of, for example, how many people you can reach. But, you know, uh, you, you, can, you can sort of live with, without it. Um, and we have to draw a line somewhere. Uh, so as you said, the feature complete uh, doesn't really make any sense because we have so much plans. Um, and we're not lacking ideas uh, or things no. to implement in the game. No, and, there are <clears throat> and it's, um, you know, if you talk about the game with uh, any game designer or any player, actually, uh, it, it goes quickly that the list of suggestions is increasing and we, you could write down the... Uh, five, ten, twenty new features that all make sense and will be interesting. So, I'm not worried in, in you know <laughs> how far we can push this. I'm worried about how minimally we can ship something that that flies, and that is fun and that is understandable, so that people can you know uh, enjoy the the game and get into it. Um, but there's still, of course, uh, almost an infinite uh, range of things that that we need to do. But there are priorities. There are things that are. Even if they are in post-release, they are very important. Like the fact that you have other solar systems, this is a very important part uh, that we will make at some point after the release. Uh, it's it's uh, usually complex on the technical side and also on the gameplay side, so definitely not going to make it there. And you know, I could I could cite a lot of examples like that that are on the uh, published roadmap as well. So the, all those things they are uh, important. We we want them. Uh, but we consider that uh, the the game works even though they are not there. Uh, and for beta, we want to put everything that makes the game, as I said, fun, understandable, and playable in all its dimensions. Uh, that's that's it. Yeah, I think uh, you know, even myself as a game designer, you know, my goal is always to put more cool stuff in the game, right? As much as I as we can possibly can. But I think. You know, everyone is more or less in agreement that this is maybe the moment to take a bit, little bit of a step back on that, focus on improvements, focus on polish, focus on the stability of the experience. And then once we push that to a level that we're happy with, and maybe that's beta, maybe that's a little bit after, uh, we can sort of start up back up that, you know, feature engine and, uh, and just keep putting, you know, more and more cool stuff in the game. Yeah, and there's, there's one I think also is that the, uh, basically the size of the company that depends on the success of the game uh, will we'll, uh, hopefully evolve also in the future so we will have more firepower to do more things. Uh, we, we have to do today with, uh, in fact, relatively a small company. So uh, that's uh, about 50 people in Paris and 30 people now in Montreal. So that's, uh, you know, in, in uh, the scale of uh, game companies, it's not that big. And uh, we have so many systems to develop and so many technologies also. We don't use, you know, off-the-shelf engines and so on we have to work on so many uh you know battlefronts that um yeah this is going to go better as we have more and more uh you know well 
basically success of the game. Uh, so I'm fairly confident that uh, uh, we will see more and more features coming after release and um, even probably uh, before if if uh, everything works as as uh, we hope. So thank you, Entropy. Uh, we actually have a couple more questions that um, uh, relate to uh, the roadmap in general. So uh, this one's for you. I'm going to read it really that loud. Will gameplay uh, look much different after release from Alpha? Uh, we're talking about crafting times, recipes, talent costs, space station placements, restrictions, and so on. When will we first see these kinds of changes before release, hopefully? Yeah, so I think uh, there's there's different categories of change that we're talking about. Um, if we're talking about balance, right? So we're talking about balance when we're talking about crafting times. Maybe, you know, there's an aberration where some group of elements takes way too long. That sort of balance you will see consistently all the time. And we, we're going to be a live, you know, online game. Uh, there's always going to be problems to fix and things to deal with as we come out with new features, as we fix old features, as we, you know, revamp different things. We'll always be pushing out, you know, as much balance as is needed to sort of keep the game, you know, the health of the game uh, where it needs to be. Um, from maybe, maybe, maybe a more macro perspective, um, we try not to revisit things that we consider are in a good state uh so you know we were just mentioning just how many features we actually need in the game and you know how many features we want to put in the game uh so there's sort of like a, an expectation where when a feature is like pretty good where it's like where it needs to be where it, everything is sort of functional and it works great let, let's let's put that on the shelf for now and then work on these other features that need a little bit more help or implement something new that you know we don't have yet and uh and then maybe eventually sort of loop back to them if uh if we need to so I would say balance is going to come all the time, and then for the for the major features, it's going to be a give and take between uh, new stuff and, and revamping old stuff. So uh, before we uh, we close this podcast, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the NDA lift. Right, we've had uh, we've had questions about that, and this is a uh, this is actually a, quite an important topic um, inside the company, um, and uh, one that we really look forward to. Um, I mean, Jesse, you mentioned in the video that um, it's going to come next year. Obviously, the, the key thing is, and the one we've been talking about internally is, that NDA lift has to come when the game is ready, right? Yeah. Uh, we have to make sure that um, uh, people who are not part of our community, who are not, um, you know, helping us, you know, crowdfunding the game, uh, being a part of this development, are ready to come into this game. I mean, you know, we've talked about it many times, you know, playing a game in alpha stage is not for everybody. Um, and um, so you, you mentioned in the, in the video that uh, it's going to happen at the earliest in March, which is pretty much, you know, after the release of um, Alpha 3, uh, as we start consolida consolidating um, everything, stabilizing, improving the user experience and um, at the latest for uh, the beta stage. So when exactly between that, you know, we're not sure. We need to see uh, where the game is at at that time. And uh, obviously get the feedback from the community, uh, get the feedback internally, do more testing. Uh, but this is pretty much what we have in our line of sight. Yes, totally. Uh, and as you said, I mean, we will lift the NDA when, when it's ready. Uh, there's no reason why we should, uh, you know, shoot ourselves in the, in the foot. Um, and um, we really have to be sure that, you know, it's, it's not that, uh, you know, when we release, um, when we make it more visible, um, it's not that all these people who are not yet in the community, they, they will have, uh, uh, you know, they will have less tolerance to the fact that it's in alpha and there are some uh, rough things that are not finished. It's just that 
most of this uh, this player we want to reach they they won't spend the time that sometimes some of our uh, community members have spent you know to understand the vision to understand the game to watch all these videos uh, because that's not what most people do so they will just get into the game and and take it as it is and and if it's not good enough they will judge it by it's uh you know it's a state at the the time they get in we perfectly understand that and so um we need to polish the the visuals we need to polish uh the the performance we need to improve the onboarding and all these things will trigger uh the time where we think okay it's good now we can lift the nda obviously it has to happen before beta so that creates a sort of a hard limit uh and we hope to be able to do that in march but it's very hard to say right now whether we're going to be able to meet that deadline so another question that i'm going to uh uh, throw to myself because uh, this one is in my wheelhouse. Um, we've seen questions about, um, you know, the like lesser communication or the the perception of lesser communication uh, within the studio over the last few months. Um, and uh, you know, from the beginning, from the Kickstarter, we've said, you know, we want to be transparent, we want to communicate, we want to tell you guys uh, what we're doing. Hopefully, you know, this podcast and the length of this podcast is uh, a proof to how much we want to unveil and we want to talk about. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, as awesome as uh, 2019 was, uh, you know, it took us a lot of efforts, a lot of time to, uh, you know, onboard, uh, all, all the new employees that, uh, we welcomed in Paris and in Montreal. Um, I am one of these new employees actually, because I joined the team, uh, this year. Um, it's not necessarily, uh, an, an easy game to wrap your head around. Um, we had to learn how to work between the two studios. And, um, uh, you know, we launched the Alpha 2. I mean, not to give ourselves excuses, but, you know, it, it has been busy. Um, I can say that the team, you know, has not necessarily been uh, uh, very happy with uh, the fact that we have not communicated as much as we would have wanted. You know, we reintroduced the uh, Dev Diaries. Uh, we've released uh, two over the last few months. Ideally, we would want to release one every month. Uh, that's the cadence. Uh, but we need to be able to, um, you know, gather all the, you know, good enough quality footage uh, that we can show into the dev diary. This is actually why we introduced the podcast uh, a while back. I think we're still trying to um, find, uh, you know, our tone and the type of content for the podcast. But the idea was, uh, let's have a forum where we can, you know, speak directly to the community and really uh, talk about the game development and and give them like an inside look at uh, what we're doing. Uh, give them access to the developers as well. Give them access to the community. Um, and, you know, we've had some great reception. I think this is also something that we like to do more frequently. Hopefully you can see that um, all uh, the communication we've been doing recently, you know, between the, the video from JC, uh, this podcast, and um, other communications we'll be uh, uh, putting out uh, to answer more of the questions from the community uh, on the forum. Uh, we're talking about a second podcast. We're talking about an AMA. Um, I mean, this really comes to... Uh, uh, together as our way to um, uh, like reinitiate that communication with the community and try and make it like more uh, more fluid and more frequent and uh, hopefully uh, this is what we'll be uh, what we'll be doing in the next uh, in the next few months and uh, as we head into uh, this uh, other incredible year uh, 2020. Yeah, one quick thing that I just want to mention in regards to that, uh, maybe more as a you know a slight reassurance, um, at least me particularly, but I know that other people do it as well. We actually spend quite a bit of time, you know, reading what you guys are saying on the forums. Um, you know, it's maybe we don't always respond and it's not always perfect, 
but in regards to, you know, when we think about new features, when we're tweaking features that exist in the game and we're balancing things, um, game designers spend quite a bit of time going through the forums, going through the threads, seeing what people are saying. And, uh, you know, just wanted to make you guys aware that, you know, we are doing that and we're seeing what you guys are saying. And, and you know, as often as we can, we try to make changes to, you know, act positively to what you guys are saying. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's more than just looking at the, the feedback from the community. I mean, these are turned into, uh, you know, what we call tickets in the, in the jargon. Is, uh, so there are actually things that are just a database of, you know, things to do. So they are recorded. Uh, we we don't forget about them. Uh, we have, of course, a, a system of priorities to handle things that are more 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 or less urging in, in first and so on. I mean, but they are not forgotten and they are taken into account uh, when they make sense. Of course, I'm not saying that every suggestion is <laughs> uh, actually uh, uh, you know integrated, but uh, like bug bug um, feedback about bugs or things that don't work or issues and so on, they are all actually carefully monitored and entered into our database to be handled at some point. So um, the problem is, of course, that there's a limit of on how many things we can do in a, in a given time. So it might sometimes take uh, apparently a lot of time to fix things that you would think that are fairly easy to to fix, and that's not the problem. It's the the problem is that there are twenty or one hundred other things that needs to be done before because we judge that they are more, you know, bleeding. Uh, so that's that's it. It's um, you know, it's like uh, in a hospital. You know, you have to deal with the most uh, urgent patient first, and even though you are in pain, but you're not gonna die, so you're not first. And so that's that's what happens all the time with the bugs, basically. And it's not actually just on the forums. I know we uh, we spend uh, quite a bit of time looking at the comments on YouTube, you know, looking at Discord. Uh, something I can say as well, and I'm going to give them credit, um, we have a team of community managers who are <laughs> really <laughs> the advocates of the players inside the company. Um, you can consider them as your uh, your agent or your uh, Trojan horses, depending on how you, uh, you look at it. And they're extremely vocal about uh, ensuring that the community is heard, that, uh, you know, your concerns are heard. Um, and uh, you, you can be assured that uh, they have your very best interest at heart. Uh, you know, I think we all, um, we all have to experience that pretty much on a daily basis, and I think it's great. I think they're, they're doing an awesome job. So, you know, obviously NQ Nomad is one of them, and he works on this podcast as well. Um, and I want to thank, thank them, uh, and I want to, you know, maybe close this podcast by uh, thanking the community for uh, helping us move forward. Uh, thanking them for their support. You know, we we uh, we put that in every video, in every communication. Uh, I think we want you to know that we actually mean it. It's not just a, um, you know a communication gimmick. Uh, this is something that the entire team here at Nova Quark uh, believes in. Uh, you know, starting with JC because you've been uh, impulsing that that culture of uh, you know community first. You know, when uh, uh, when I got hired and uh, when you recruited me, that's one of the first things you told me. You know, the, the community is our most precious asset in this company, and this is what this this uh, game and this vision is based on. And uh, this is something that really gets distilled, you know, to uh, all the uh, the employees at Nova Quark. Indeed, and you answered right. <laughs> Thank so, you. You here? <laughs> I get to stay. <laughs> just very quickly, you you mentioned Discord just a couple minutes ago. Um, you know, personally, nothing pleases me more than uh, reading Discord on uh, on release days. I mean, you know, the feedback sometimes is good, sometimes the feedback is bad. But you know, as 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 someone who works on the game, uh, when players you know get their hands on what you've been working on, sometimes for weeks or months, um, and you know they just 
break it instantly sometimes, but you know, that we expect that. Uh, I just, you know, love reading, you know, everyone talking about the features and talking about, you know, the, the things that I have had my hands on for a while that I've been working on. And, you know, I really like that. So, um, you know, we're going to close this podcast. Originally, we uh, wanted to make this uh, podcast that was also answering many of the community questions. Um, ended up being way longer than we thought. So we decided maybe we're going to do a second one uh, coupled with the AMA. So if your questions have not been answered in this podcast, uh, rest assured that, you know, hopefully they will be uh, in the sequel. We're just trying to do it in sequence. And uh, I'm going to head back to uh, uh, NQ Nomad, who really insisted on, uh, despite his uh, condition, to make an introduction and a conclusion to this podcast. So uh, kudos to you and uh, over to you. Thank you so much for listening and to Sesh for replacing me on such a short notice today. Your feedback about this fourth episode would be much appreciated. As promised, a second episode and an AMA will be released soon to answer to more questions we received, so stay tuned. Depending on the platform you're listening to us, you can use the rating system at your disposal to rate us five stars if you liked it. Please give us a thumbs up or down, leave a comment, anything useful to help us improving this show and consider sharing it with your friends too. Don't forget, you can reach out to us via Discord. It's discord.gg slash dualuniverse. Our forums and of course on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. To be sure to not miss anything DU related, we encourage you to like us on social media and to subscribe to our YouTube channel and newsletter. The links should be in the description of the show depending on the platform you're using to listen to us. If you didn't buy Dual Universe yet and you consider to do so now, we're very happy and humbled. We rely exclusively on crowdfunding and private money and your support means everything to ship our crazy dream project. More about that at dualuniverse.com slash pledge. If you're still listening right now, thank you and congratulations because we have one more thing to tell you. The 24-7 winter holiday test will occur this year from December 19th to December 30th. The space station building contest is still on and will still be during that time. We're sure you will blow our minds with your insane creations. Thanks again for your time. Take care and we'll see you next time. Um, so what's with the mustache? Can you tell us more about that? Uh, you know I travel a lot uh, in those airplanes, and I just I just forgot my razor. So that's it. I think you just want to look like a musketeer, right? I read one of the comments that were saying this mustache <laughs> is so French. I think that all made us laugh. Yeah, I guess I'm French, I suppose, yes. I've seen some of the videos of you a couple of years ago and how you've been evolving over time, you know, from the, the haircut to... Uh, to the mustache, and uh, you can see the evolution of Novaquark on your on your face almost. Yeah, maybe I'm I'm growing older or something. But you know what? I can't I can't wait to see uh, what other kind of uh, facial hair you're gonna have in the next few months and years as we continue to evolve the company and and the game. Surprise. <laughs>